0: You're your favorite NFL legend sharing their stories and insights every week right here on Thursday Night Tailgate with Chris Mascaro and Bob Lazeri. Take it away, guys. When the door is locked, there's no way out. All right, now back in making his 10th appearance with us is our good friend Randy Fuller. Let me remind you about Randy's background. He's from Griffin, Georgia, which is just south of me here in Atlanta. Played his college ball at Tennessee State where he was a four-year letterman and an All-American defensive back. Was a fourth-round draft pick by the Denver Broncos in 1994. And he played in the NFL from 94 to 99 for the Broncos, Steelers, Falcons, and Seahawks. Was a part of the Steelers' 1995 AFC Championship team. Saved the game for the Steelers by knocking Jim Harbaugh's last-second Hail Mary pass out of the hands of Aaron Bailey. He was also a part of the Falcons' NFC Championship team in 1998. He's been a great friend on and off the air. Very happy that he is back with us again tonight. i got my 29 jersey on right here. And uh, Randy, we can't thank you enough, my friend. How are you? Hey, Randy.
1: Hey, man. hey how you doing, guys? It's been way too long. I um, definitely hope and pray that you and your family have been well over this past year. And I'm always excited to be a part of this show.
0: Well, we thank you very much, Randy. And speaking of uh, you know, making sure everybody's safe and healthy, how are you and the family doing down the year down in Houston? Recently, uh, yeah. Old Man Winter wasn't too kind to you guys.
1: Oh, Lord. man. Houston was not prepared for that. And um, it was a tough week. Um, you know, but well, we, we survived. That's all I would tell you. Losing power was the biggest thing. And we had to go seek refuge somewhere else. And um, a friend let us in and kept us warm for four days and returned home and didn't have any pipes um, burst in the house. So we, we were doing fine. So. We're happy that it's 76 degrees and sunny now. So we, we're loving the weather. Now. We're back to the
0: morning. There you go. Randy, got to get your thoughts, my friend. Ste- Steelers season ended in a very disappointing fashion. It it feels like the team's got a lot of gaps they need to fill on, uh, on top of having 17 free agents. What do you think? What What do the Steelers need to do over the offseason to get themselves prepared for what it looks like one last run with Ben Roethlisberger?
1: Yeah. I mean, I always say,
0: um you gotta have
1: a, a healthy defense first. As we know whoever whatever team has the healthiest um players at the end of the season are the ones that normally go their feathers and we knew that the Steelers losing all those linebackers was gonna be a issue at some point. We just could not continue to ride that way. So we gotta get healthy and um and just fill in a few key pieces. I mean we're not too bad. Um so I, I just think we need to focus on defense. I I, I think the offense is going to fix their, their wound with the um, offensive line and get the running game going. And that's going to open up the passing game. So I don't think it's that complicated on what we have to do. The biggest thing is that every game we play in our division is going to be just a knockout ball game. It's going to be like we play the Ravens every week. <laughs> we know how that game is. So um, yeah. we just got to We got to have good depth and, um, some great backups. When they come in, we can't have a, a drop off. That's the biggest thing I see.
0: And, and Randy, to your point, as you look over, you know, the Steelers division in the AFC North, uh, I'm getting a little scared, right? Because I mean, obviously, Steelers won the division and that, and all of that, but uh, the way things, you know, fell off after the 11 and 0 start was is pretty scary. But to your point, Ravens always good. The Browns look like they finally tried started to figure things out, and maybe, you know. If we can get Juju to be quiet, you know the Browns is the Browns. Um, they look like they, you know, they're going to be good for for a long time. And then we we don't know yet with with what Cincinnati has with Joe Burrow. But uh, are you nervous at all that we might be sliding down the division next season?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean the competition has improved tremendously um, on each of those teams, and we know that those teams have built their roster to what defeat the Steelers. I mean, that's that's it. Every week is their championship week. It's their Super Bowl. And if they can beat the Steelers, I mean, whatever happens the rest of the season, they are happy in the off season. So, we, you know, we got to get back to punching people in the mouth and being the brand that we have always been. I mean, obviously, people say, you know, eventually the top is going to drop to the bottom, bottom is going to drop, rise to the top, but I feel like less we still got enough talent to stay on the top, but it's also a mentality. You know, we got to not give them billboard material, and then we have to go out there and represent the brand like we always have.
0: Randy, I want to go back to your first season in Pittsburgh, 1995. You played alongside Rod Woodson there, and um, Rod blew out his knee the first game of the 95 season, and typically that ends your year. You get placed on IR, and that's it, but the Steelers didn't do that right? The, I mean, you guys, the Steelers were coming off a, a championship, AFC championship game that they lost to San Diego in 94. Do you know, how did Rod convince Cower and Tom Donahoe, who was the GM at the time, not to put him on injured reserve?
1: Well, I mean, it happened the first game of the season, so there was a, knowing how far the team had went the year before going to the AFC championship, then Rod knew that there was enough talent for us to get back that far. And he he also knew that if he rehab hard and um, and um, got himself back to the level where he could play, then he had a chance. So when you're talking about having one of the top players of all time at that position, you know, lobbying to the coach and the general manager, it's not that hard for them to, to keep that space open for him. I mean, if he did not have that injury, I wouldn't be on the telephone today because when he got hurt, the Phillies brought in a couple of cornerbacks and I was one of the ones they brought in. So it all worked out. How ironic it is that I was the one that batted down the path to send them to the Super Bowl and then Rod got a chance to to take his original reps or my rep in the Super Bowl. Bob, questions for Randy?
2: Hey Randy, it's always a pleasure to speak with you and uh, staying on that first year in pittsburgh we know cower uh defensive-minded coach and everything but dick lebeau was the coordinator there and a legend of hall of famer uh Mm -hmm. you were around a lot of hall of famers back then but as far as lebeau randy uh what was your relationship like with him uh what made him so great and what made him keep going up until just a couple years ago
1: well, um, you know, my personal relationship with Coach LeBeau, um he kinda got to know me, um, the ninety five year as the season went on because I came after about the third game. And um uh, we actually lived in the same complex, so I got a chance to, you know, bump into him from time to time, um, uh, just at home. So I got a chance to get to know him a little better than just being in the workspace. Um, he was a true players coach. Um, someone that you could talk to. And then he also recognized the talent that the players have, and he always put them in a winning situation. Um, he he saw the game before it was even played. So he was a brilliant football mind, and that's what made him exceptional. Um, he's always taken care of himself. He's always been sharp. So, you know, uh, football is what he knew. That was just the blueprint of his life. And, um, uh, So he was going to go until he couldn't go anymore. And uh, it's crazy that we have this brilliant football mind that still should be around the game as a consultant, at least to somebody. But, I mean, I love playing for coach of the bowl. He's one of the greatest coaches that I've ever been around.
2: Randy, all year long, uh, I think a theme of our show, and and Chris will laugh at this, but we've asked, I think every defensive player, Uh, Mm -hmm. that's been on the show about tackling now. And, you know, you've been out (laughs) of the league over 20 years now. Back then, you guys, you know, you hit fiercely, but you tackled. Now it's, it's, it's a contact game, Randy. Uh, I think 95% of the guys we've talked to, uh, are just totally disgusted by what they see when they see running backs jump over guys, uh, because they're just trying to, they're trying to hit and bring a guy down. Uh, what do you yeah. make of it all? Uh, and are you as disgusted as a lot of our former guests here? <laughs>
1: well, you know, um, Mel Kiper draft day report of me was pound for pound I was the toughest player in the draft that year. And mm-hmm. when I came out in '94, um, mm-hmm. I was known for tapping. Uh, that was my strength. In fact, I didn't mind if you even caught the ball on me because all I wanted to do was pick you up and slam you on your neck. So. I was a very dirty <laughs> player, and tackling is what I did well. So this game now, because of the rules, have made it more of a finesse game, and it's not so much guys tackling. It's just using their athleticism to get somebody down. And they're all so timid because of the rules, and it's hard to stick your head in there and make a, a tackle. So it's it's not – I don't think guys so much have changed to the point where they don't want tackle. I just think the rules have made it so difficult for them to just be the free football player that they need to just hit somebody. Or as we, as running a lot used to say, imagine yourself stepping through somebody when you make that tackle. So it's definitely different. It has changed. And um, it's just an offensive game now. It's just, it's different.
0: Randy, Greg Lloyd joined us on the show a few weeks ago and you're the one the uh the one who introduced me to Greg and he's been a wonderful yep. guest. Always brings an intensity to our conversations. I can only imagine what he was like at practice, what he was like, you know, in the weight room and you know, watching film and all that sort of stuff. Take us there. What was Greg like and what did he demand of you guys?
1: Well, he was an excellent leader. Um and he led by example. So it was easy to just want to get up and play football. And uh, when Greg spoke, um, people listen, uh, you know, he, as he was, I'm sure he shared with you, he was a black belt. And I mean, he'll come out to practice and use some of his moves on me for some reason because we were both from Georgia. So he felt like I was the, the dummy that he could use to, to kick <laughs> and chop on. And I, I remember one day he came and he just, I don't know, just playing around, kicked me, hit me in the stomach, and I lost, I mean, the wind was out of me. I couldn't breathe, and when I finally gathered myself, I was like, okay, he's a black belt. What are you going to do? He's the meanest, toughest linebacker you ever played with. What are you going to do? And all I could say was, man, Greg, stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> that that it. I mean, that's all you can say, <laughs> but, man, his intensity on the field was just, I mean, he was just as intense off the field, but on the field, I mean, he was my type of player. I mean, I was, you know, I even though I played corner, I always thought I was kind of a linebacker mentality, right? I I thought I was like him. And um, so I love playing with him. And my biggest memory is we were playing the Raiders and I had to cover James Jet And it was man-to-man and he ran a slant on me. Well, he was running inside. I think I was still standing in the same place. I don't think I moved. He was so fast. (laughs) And I turned to take off, and all of a sudden I saw the ball flying in the air. And I was like, why is the ball flying in the air? But man, Greg, who's supposed to have been rushing the passer, for some reason he decided to drop in the coverage and he hits James Jett under the chin, man, and the ball just flies. And I remember going back to the huddle, and I was like, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't have a chance. (laughs) So, but no, I love playing with with Greg. I mean, to me, I played with some of the best. I mean, just on that team alone, I played with Chad Brown, Dante Jones, Jason Gilden, Kevin Green, uh, LaVon Kirkland, of course, Greg, Jerry O, everybody. I mean, just incredible football players. That's just the linebacker. So just a great, great team.
0: And Randy, I think one of the guys from that team that uh, we've both been surprised that uh, hasn't gotten a a, um, a coaching job, a defensive coordinator position, is Darren Perry. Talk about your yeah. relationship with Darren, and um, you know, a guy that probably deserves a uh, a higher level position than what he's been ha- had the opportunity to get for some reason.
1: Yeah, I, I have no clue. I mean, this is Darren was a uh, and is a true student of the game. Um, I really always felt that he knew the defense better than the coordinators themselves. Um, He's coached in the league a long time over the years and have his players have made, you know, all everything and done exceptionally well. Defenses he's been on have been pretty good uh, in a lot of places. So he's worked his way up the ladder. So I don't understand why he hasn't gotten a defensive coordinator position at least. And um, he definitely will be an excellent head coach if given the opportunity one day. Uh, Darren and I have remained friends um, over the years um, since we left the game, and we always got along. Um, You know, he was my free safety. And I used to say, Darren, I'm taking this chance. I need you to cover me. So, you know, he's always covered me on the field, always covered me off the field. And um, he's a great person, uh, great great husband, great father, and, and great friend.
0: Randy, I want to take you back to your first year in the league, drafted by the Broncos, and you spent one season there in Denver. And and we always hear about playing in the thin air of Denver there at Mile High Stadium. What was it like for you coming from Tennessee State and trying to adjust to playing in Denver? Was it easy or was it a big adjustment?
1: Uh, For me, it wasn't that hard. And the only reason I would say it wasn't hard for me because, I mean, I've always been a track guy. I've always, I mean, just run, 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 run. So. Um, for me, it was easy adjustment, but whenever I had family or friends that came out to visit, um, just watching them walk up the steps and get to the top of the steps, <laughs> like, about to pass out, I used to start <laughs> laughing, like, oh, God, you got to in shape. Don't fall out on me. But I've seen everybody <laughs> else suffer, and – but when you're – I mean, I was coming off the combine, coming off pro day. When I went out there to camp, I didn't have any issues with the air whatsoever, so um, – for me, it was easy, but for regular people that go visit Denver or not used to it, they they you have to be careful. It will sneak up on you, but I enjoy playing out there. Uh It was just, to me, I just felt the healthiest i ever been in my life. Like, the air is so clear and so clean, and it, it makes you just want to get out and start running. So um, it was a good experience. I mean, I was happy that I started there, even though I begged the Steelers to draft me and they didn't. Uh, But I eventually ended up there after a year, and I mean, I couldn't have planned it any better to have been on that, a part of that team, that 1995 championship team. Bob, more for Randy?
2: And Randy, on the other side of the ball in Pittsburgh, I'm sure there was some, uh, shall we say, nice collisions with Jerome Bettis at times during practice. I mean, this is another guy, you know, Hall of Famer, uh, what was it like going up against this guy? Talk about him as a teammate, and and how did a guy that played over 250 pounds gain almost 13 more than 13,000 yards in this league, Randy?
1: Well, uh, the first thing I would say is that for the the size of Jerome, is that he had incredible nifty feet. Uh, he was really light on his feet, and he had great vision. Um, just some things that you just don't find a lot of in bigger running backs like Jerome. Um, the keys to his success though, obviously it started with, with the line. When you talk about, uh, Damani Dawson and John Jackson and Newberry and Paris and Cersei and Sy and Dresnik. I mean, you just had an incredible offensive line. But the main piece was not Jerome being the bus, but it was Tim Lester, the bus driver. And God bless his soul. We I just attended his funeral about a month ago yeah. and uh really missed him. And uh but Tim was a big catalyst for Jerome carving out those yards. And uh, you know, when Jerome first got to Pittsburgh, um, I had heard about him, but I didn't know much about him and then just watching the way he presented himself at practice I realized that he was a true professional and I, I was happy that he was on my team and I truly didn't have to tackle him <laughs> in a game. And um, I don't think I got a chance to get him too much in practice. Um, but I just remember thinking about this man's size is bigger than my whole body. So I, I I don't know what I would do if I had to tackle him. <laughs> but uh, he was a true professional, uh, very deserving of the Hall of Fame. I, I think we spoke. Maybe uh, he just had a birthday. I think I called him with some happy birthday. Spoke to him recently, and uh, he's doing well off the field as well. So um, incredible person, and and the Steelers have produced a lot of just quality men. You know, away from the game. I mean, it's it's amazing whenever I've been around the alumni, going all the way back to um, Stallworth and Blunt and just Blyer. I mean, whenever I've been around these guys, I'm like, man, these are the guys that you. Want to be like and um and my teammates were no I mean they were the same, they were exactly the same, so i there's something in the in the rivers there that um they pick the right players and and they do have great character on and off the field,
2: Bre, you played six years in the league that's that's more than the average these days, and you know going back to when you were a kid, I mean you probably played football for twenty years, and then uh you know. 2000 you're at 30 years old and it's gone i mean how do you adjust was it very tough for you uh and how long did it take for you to really get into a different way of life
1: it was a uh really really because at 30 i actually felt like i was ready to play my best football and all of a sudden the game was taken away or not offered anymore and just trying to move to the next career, it was difficult. Even though I had prepared myself to say, hey, um, if I can get vested, if I can get a retirement plan, I'm okay to move on. And I made it to that. I remember getting cut from Denver, and I was like, man, whatever team I get on next, I'm not leaving until I get vested. And sure enough, I went to Pittsburgh, got three years, I was vested. And I was very fortunate to get two more years with um, the Falcons and the Seahawks. And um just not knowing, I mean, because I wasn't ready. I, I wasn't prepared. I knew that I stayed in college to get a degree, so I would have something to fall back on. But I still didn't know what that career choice was coming from football. And what's crazy is that because you don't have experience in those other fields, then they tend not to hire you. Or in some cases, they feel like, oh, you're overqualified, or whatever the case may be. But it was – it was a really, really tough transition. And I think now the NFL got so many different programs for the for the players that it's not the same. They don't have to worry as much. And some of them, you know, start trying to figure out what that next career is. And it doesn't matter how much money you make, It's just about you still have to live and you still have to take care of your family. I mean, because a lot of times we're playing football and we don't even have kids yet. Some of us don't have wives. And then all of a sudden you're out of the game. And then you add all these other things, and it just changes the story. So that's why, you you know, it's a a lot more success stories of of people life like out the football than there are bad ones. But, you know, they always put the bad ones in and glorify it, and people think everybody lives like that. But that's not the case.
0: And to that end, Randy, let's take that a a step further. You've got a a wonderful golf tournament that you've hosted for years for uh, Cure for Our Friends. Talk about yes. the things that you're doing to help give back and uh are you guys doing the tournament this year
1: we are we are I will definitely send you the flyer and let me look up the day. I'm pretty sure it's may fifteenth, but let me just confirm it um yeah, so here for our friends been working with them I don't know it's almost it's been over ten years, and uh we raised money for um cystic fibrosis and and just for kids that may have some kind of terminal medical illness. So we help the families out and uh, it's been a blessing to be able to help and support. I've had uh, Dante Jones have been coming over the years. My my best friend Gary Downs, who I played with with the Falcons, he's he's been coming. Um, who else is coming? Um, Oliver Davis played for the Bengals back in the day. Ross um do you remember Ross, who, um, play, Ross, Ross Brown, who played for the Ross
0: Browner? Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Ross lives in Nashville. So Nat, Ross always comes support. and supports. And, um who I invite Greg and Cordell. I mean, I invite all my friends in golf. Sometimes they try to make it, sometimes So I at least try to get them out there. But, um uh, it's a fun tournament. It's it's just laid back and, and, um, uh, Normally it was it's been in Mount Juliet, Tennessee, but we have moved it um, out to Goodlandsville, So it's a real nice course, and I'm going to send you a flyer. So maybe you can mention it maybe on another show, uh, but I can't find it right now. But it's May fifteenth, <laughs> and uh, then okay. then then also do uh, work with uh, Great Out Heroes. Great Out Heroes, you know, raise money for hospitals that. Uh, have um, head injuries and um, spinal cord injuries. So we raise money to help them with, um, you know, they may need a van or, or a wheelchair or whatever be. But it is an incredible program because we all love high school football, but when that kid is laying on that turf, man, there are no resources for them. So we, uh, great, our Heroes, have been doing that for a long time. And it's been a blessing to be a part of that. So, uh, yeah, so that golf tournament is May fifteenth, twenty 2021. So uh, I will send you I, that flyer. We do have sponsorship levels. So I appreciate the support that you guys have given us over the years in doing that tournament. So thank you guys so much. And you guys have been a big sponsor. And I normally take a picture at your hold and send it to you. So we will do that again. Um, I look forward to so it.
2: Yes, sir.
0: Randy, so. are we are we gonna get you behind the broadcast mic again uh, anytime
2: soon?
0: <laughs> oh man,
1: I don't know. Uh, my buddy, who's the lead reporter for Fox Sports Latin America, you know, we um, doing when COVID first hit, man. We uh, we did a show and we had all kind of guests on there um, each week, every every Monday night. It kind of replaced Monday Night Football. You know, we just talked about, you know football and different aspects of it. And, um, so I did that. And, you know, I enjoy being a guest. I, I enjoy visiting your show, but for me to do it full time or all the time, I, I don't think I want to, but I definitely enjoy being a part of it. So, um,
0: that's about all you're going to get. from <laughs> Fair enough. Well, we appreciate yeah. the fact that you continue to come back and you've uh, been a wonderful part of this show. Over the years, you're fantastic, my friend. Let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you on social media.
1: Yeah, I'm still improving my social media present. You know, I don't do much on it anymore. So forgive me, but, you know, I do have a Twitter account and it's at rfuller29. And then uh, my Instagram is fullran, F-U-L-R-A-N. First three letters of my last name. First three letters of my first name. So those are the, the main two social media platforms that I use, so I will try to post more stuff if if people are going to
0: follow. me.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we follow you, so we we always yeah. like to see what what you what you're doing. So if it's only for us, yeah. I hope you'll continue to do that.
2: I
1: I, I definitely will. You guys are, have been very supportive. And I, again, I do appreciate you guys. And um, I forgot to tell you that my son is um over in Spain playing soccer. No. Wow. So he graduated wow. in, yeah. He, he graduated in May and took a gap year to go and pursue his dream of playing professional soccer. So he's at a soccer academy over in West of Spain and he's doing extremely well. So we'll we'll see what the future holds for him.
0: Absolutely. Good luck. Well, uh we'd like following that. So hopefully you can post some of that stuff too. So good luck to Thank him. God. I Randy, you're the it. best, Thank my friend. Me. Thank you so much for uh continuing to be a part of the show, a wonderful part of the show, and a great friend off the air as well. You're fantastic, my friend. We hope we get the opportunity to catch up with you again soon.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Keep doing what you guys do. Well, spreading the love and the joy to the sports world. People love to hear these stories. So thank you guys again, and I look forward to being on the next show in the future.
0: Thanks, Randy. Yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, same with you guys. Thank you guys.
2: Good night.
0: See you, Randy. All right. That's a great, Randy Fuller. Like I say, proudly wearing the twenty nine tonight for Randy. What a wonderful friend he has been over the years, Bob. And not, like I say, not only on the air but off the air as well. And so Randy, we've we've gotten to you know got to know Greg and and uh, who's a wonderful uh, part of our guest hall of fame. And then so many other players. Randy's uh, like you always say, Bob. Right, ten times better person uh, off the field and, uh, and off the air than he is on it. he was a, a really good player on it too.
2: Yeah. He's a, what can we say, Chris? Top shelf individual. He's a, uh, a guy There's a reason why he's been on the show 10 times. You know, he's, <laughs> we've had other guys on the show, uh, that, you know, just haven't come back or for some reason, uh, but you know, he's appreciative of what we do, but we're more appreciative of having friends like him and, um, uh, when you talk to him, uh, it's easy to see why he'll uh, he'll come back soon, too. We love the guy.
0: Yes, we do. All right. Uh, when Bob and I come back, we'll be turning on our Thursday night tailgate spotlight on the positive. Here two more stories about guys out there making a positive impact on their community. We'll do that right on the other side of this real quick station break.